everyone. Welcome to Shadow on the Water. Here's Mike Nolan. Welcome back to Shadow on the Water. This is Mike Nolan. I'm so excited to be here with you. Uh, Today, I want to talk about the power of God. The potency of God's power. And uh, we're going to just talk about some things related to that. I'm going to tell you, I was praying at Mass just now, and um, uh, I had like my the muscles in my lips started to contract that happened to me a couple years ago at a uh, prophetic conference right when the priest uh, father matthias thalen right when he started praying for the holy spirit at the very beginning of the conference something touched my lips i felt some thing some invisible thing touched my lower lip and electricity shot through all my lips and it was just like they were quivering and contracting and moving around, I'd grab my friends next to me, I said, what is happening to my mouth? And they all looked at me and they, they didn't know what was going on. And uh, I didn't know what was going on and I was just like, but I felt a great peace, I felt the presence of the Lord. And I, over time, just unpacked it. I felt like it was, I really, through prayer, came to the understanding, it was like having a coal touched to my mouth and it being uh, purified, you know, like in, um, what is it? Is it in, uh, I think it's in Isaiah 6. Yes, Isaiah 6, verse uh, 6 and 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. Wow, isn't that cool? So it's just like a physiological response to the Holy Spirit. Uh, right when the Father Matthias Thalen started praying for the Holy Spirit, this thing touches my lips, and I experienced physiological response to the power of God. And what ensued thereafter was this incredible walk in the prophetic gifts. Um, It's been amazing. It's been absolutely incredible. For instance, I went to pick up my daughter from uh, college. Uh, She's finished with her sophomore year. And I felt that maybe I should pray for her roommate as I was carrying things out of the, the, the apartment they live in. And I, uh, so I just asked the Lord, well, show me something about her. And I saw a, a bike, like a Barbie bike. And it had like dolls or toys in it. And I just asked her, do you have a Barbie bike when you're young? She said, yeah. I said, was it pink? She said, well, it was purple. I was like, okay, I just saw like a pink Barbie bike, but it had like Barbie stickers on it. She said, yeah, Barbie stickers on it. And I said, did you take your dolls in it? She said, well, I took my stuffed animals in it. I was like, oh, okay. And then I asked the Lord, I just said, Lord, what else do you want to show me? I saw a doll. And then I saw the, uh, the name Colette. And so I said, did you have a doll that began, whose name began with the letter C? Because I'm just kind of playing it safe, you know. Uh, she said, nope. And she has no clue what, why I'm asking her these questions. And I said, well, do you have a, I said, I said, I saw a doll and the name Colette. She said, oh my gosh, when I was young, she said, well, first of all, she, they would, she would put her dolls in her Barbie bike and ride them around, or stuffed animals, you know, in her Barbie bike and ride them around. She said, when I was young, we would go and visit my great aunt Colette. And we would take her out to dinner. 
And then we would take her to the store and she would buy us each a stuffed animal. And she said, wow, that is cool. How did you know that? And I said, I'm just the Holy Spirit's just showing me these things. I said, you know, I asked the Lord, what, why are you showing me that? And I just felt this, what you love, what is sacred to you is also sacred to Jesus. What is sacred to you is sacred to Jesus. And she said, wow, that's cool. And then I asked the Lord some more. I said, Lord, what else uh, do you want to share? And I saw three weeks. And then I just saw that the Lord is going to, I just kind of knew it. He's going to leave his fingerprints around for the next three weeks for on things like around her. Just like little, whatever, little moments and little encounters and little uh, uh, happenings or vignettes or whatever that she kind of walks into in the next three weeks. That Jesus' fingerprints are going to be on him. She's going to recognize his presence. She's going to recognize him and start to get to know him as a person. So I said, you know, Jesus is a person. He's not like a way of life or a set of ideals. He's a, he's a man. If he was standing in front of you, you could wrap your arms around him. And uh, I told her that three weeks. And I said, what's happening in three weeks? She said, well, in a few days I leave uh, on a trip down south and I'll be gone exactly till three weeks. And I come back. In three weeks I come back. I said, amazing. You're going on a pilgrimage. And Jesus is going to introduce himself to you. So, you know, that's as far as we got. But there was um, knowledge about her past. that We'd call that like a, a word of knowledge. Um, there's the word of insight that she's three weeks are. A, there's a plan going on in the next three weeks. That's insight is kind of like what's happening in the present. And then there's wisdom for her future, which is um, that Jesus is introducing himself to her to get to know her as a person. And so she's staged and set up now to experience this trip like she was not set up to experience it before. And it only happened because I had the courage and understood that I have the power of God in me. I'm going to tell you right now, I did not feel like I had the power of God in me. I did not feel like I was anointed to go and, and reposture her. I didn't feel like that way at all. I felt just like my normal self after a long drive, getting down there, tired, just getting the task done, carrying boxes out. But because the Lord has been renewing my mind and revealing to me that I have the power of God in me, that the Holy Spirit lives in me, I lack nothing. I have everything that I need, that I can actually step out in faith and respond to the little inspirations that he gives me. And they have awesome consequences. That could reposture her life. I mean, I'm excited to hear what actually happens. That could change her whole life. The trajectory of her life could be totally changed from that interaction. You know, like in scripture, he says, um, I don't, I do nothing without revealing it first to my prophets. Why? Because then the prophets speak it out. And a God word is a God action. What he speaks out through his prophets, he does. So I have every confidence she's going to have this opportunity to respond to this pursuing of Jesus. He's pursuing her. Jesus is pursuing her and she is going to have all these opportunities to respond. Praise the Lord. So that that's the power of God, right? So um, uh, in the past, I w- went equipped with what? Uh, whatever knowledge I have of apologetics, whatever knowledge I have of the faith, and I would think, I would try to maybe influence or I don't know, with whatever wherewithal I have, um, just maybe just let them know that I'm a Christian and let them know that I'll pray for them. 
but I didn't speak into their life because I didn't understand that I had the power of God. I had more faith. I put more faith, meaning I settled my faith. I didn't actually have faith in my actions, but I thought that that is where, where it all took place. It took place in me and what I could accomplish. And there's a shift here that's taken place. It is the power of God where we need to shift our faith to. I have zero faith in my inability. So before, it would hold me back from evangelizing all the time because I, I've i believed more in my inability than in the power of God to do what I know I can't do on my own, okay? So, but now shifting faith into the power of God, I can walk into a situation, take a risk like that, and be amazed along with the person that I'm prophesying over. And uh, I watch things happen. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I have had people come back to me after three years and share the most amazing testimonies from the words that I shared three years ago. Um, a real quick one. A friend of mine, this was maybe six months ago or seven months ago. Was, I think it was later part of last year. But we all got together and we were praying. And I know, I know she's going to hear this is for you, Mary. This is such a great story. I love it. But she uh, um, was moving. And she had, um, she asked us to pray because she was a little bit nervous about moving. You know, they were selling their farm and they were moving away. And it was, she didn't, she wanted to know where the, where the Lord wanted them to end up. You know, what are we supposed to do? It's kind of a, you know, a lot of unknowns. So we prayed and these words just came bubbling out of my mouth. It's almost like it burped out of my mouth. It's like crepe myrtle just came out of my mouth. I remember, I just keep seeing crepe myrtle. Does that mean anything to you? And she was like, nope. Well, um, they didn't. Nobody knew what that meant. Well, she ended up looking it up, and it actually there's like a, a kind of bush that's a crepe myrtle. So, anyway, she moved. Ended up moving to Florida with her husband, and they um, were there for several months, and then weren't sure about that area. They moved to another area, and they found some property on water, I think, and they bought a little bit of property in this totally different state, and they were, you know, um, going to build or something like that. And she's walking around, and they really like this little place that they found. She's walking around, and there's all these bushes there that she thinks are so beautiful. They're all over the place. She finally, she notices them all the time, but didn't think, you know, much about them. And, and finally, it was enough that she grabbed somebody, a local, and said, Hey, what are those? Uh, what kind of bush is that? And the guy looked at her and said, Those are crepe myrtle. And she, her jaw just hit the hit the ground. Because here... All that time ago, what, six, seven months ago, when uh, we were praying, the Lord gave this word, crepe myrtle, and then here she is in this town. They like it, you know, walking in faith, and then it gets confirmed to her that she's exactly where she's supposed to be, the crepe myrtle. Isn't that amazing? So I didn't know. She came back and told me that. When she told me that story, I was so encouraged. There's the power of God. So how many times do, do I, I give a lot of words to people. I give words to people all the time. People give words to me all the time. There are people that give words to me, and um, there's a, there are some people, and I watch whatever, whenever I'm listening to their word, I'm watching it happen. It's amazing in front of me. I'm like, and I, you know, I could have listened, I could have uh, listened to their word. They'll send a, a, a little message or a note. Could have listened to it. Uh, three hours ago, but I ended up getting distracted and listening to it now, and I'm watching whatever they're describing in flesh in front of my face. It is unbelievable. It's the power of God, and they don't know. You know, they're just taking a risk and sharing. To shift our faith from our inability or 
from um, the, the schwer or the weight or the heaviness on me, shift my faith into the potency of the power of God. And he gives me his power because why? Because remember the last broadcast, the last podcast, he wants to become, become manifest here on earth in between the upper and lower waters in this space. He hides and he wants to become manifest through me and through you. We bring God to each other. Remember the catechism says it when we, that man's vocation, man's vocation is to make God manifest, cooperating with his creation in the image and likeness of God. I think it's 2085 is the paragraph. Unbelievable. And he does it through the potency of his power. Now I have all kinds of healing stories too. And that's uh, praying for physical healing. Uh, just amazing stories. In fact, I was just contacted by a, girl, a lady I prayed over who had MS. She ended up going fly fishing. She ended up golfing 18 holes. and go, She went skiing for the first time in six years. She can feel her feet. I don't think she had felt her feet in many, many years. She was diagnosed with MS 27 years ago. And she could feel, by the end of the prayer, she could feel her socks on her feet. She was weeping. But uh, a month later, she told, called me and said, you know, she could, had all these um, her full feeling in her hands and her feet, which she hadn't had in years, uh, golfing, skiing, fly fishing, you know, spending time with friends and walking without wobbling because she can feel her feet. And she told me she prayed over one of her, her cousin's friend uh, over the phone or something or prayed for them or prayed over them. And they were able to get out of their wheelchair. They had been restricted in their wheelchair and now they're up walking around because her faith is now gone <laughs> because she, she has an authority in that area because of her healing. So this is unbelievable. Look at look at the waves going out, the waves of God's power. Praise the Lord. And uh, just amazing. Such a faith builder. The power of God. Switch our faith from our the weakness of our hands to the potency of God's power. I'd like to talk about this. Um, God wants me to be a saint. And I'm going to be a saint. Or I, you could say I am a saint. You know, uh, St. Paul would call people he's writing to saints. And he also said we are seated in heavenly places. He would say things like what you've already attained, walk in it and let it rule the way that you think. Or we stretch forth to take hold of that which we've already received, something like that. Um, things like that. Okay, we, we receive it from Jesus. Jesus gives us our holiness. He makes us holy. Um, a good example, the woman who, the hemorrhaging woman in the, uh, um, this is phenomenal. Nobody knows this. Um, I learned it. I, I heard a, a, a wonderful Protestant preacher. I don't even know his name, but I heard him describe this. I went in and looked at the Hebrew and verified it. I found out this is actually true. This is amazing. The hemorrhaging woman, she's hemorrhaging for 12 years, I believe. She, um, approaches Jesus like without him knowing and she reaches and touches the hem of his garment and she's he feels power go out of it and she is totally healed what happened there you know we just we think well um, she had faith and uh, she reached for his garment and it just shows how amazing Jesus is well there's there's a lot more to it um, if you there, there's a word in Hebrew, it's kanaf. Kanaf it means um, the it means wing, 
the wing, like a bird's wing, like their pinions or their wing, like because it's kind of it, uh, like the tips of the feathers. So it means wing. It also means the hem of a, a garment or the edge or the of a robe. When Ruth is instructed to go to Boaz and take the corner of his garment and pull it over her, like as a signal to him that he needs to claim her, it was his job to be her redeemer, so her husband redeemer. So um, that was called Conoff. She took the Conoff and spread it over. When David, that's the edge of the garment. When David went to um, Saul, when Saul was sleeping and he cut off the corner of his garment to show him and then went back away and showed him, hey, I could have killed you. I was able to come up and cut off the edge of your garment. It was his conoff. So conoff is the hem of the garment. Um, just bear with me here. There's the Jews would wear a what's called a talit, which is a, um, a prayer shawl, and then at the end of the talit, this is kind of the grandfather of the stole, a priest's stole. And you know, a priest wears a stole. That's the only thing he's required to wear to say mass is the stole. But it's grand. the stole's grandfather is the, or maybe father, is descended directly from the talit. So the talit is this prayer shawl. And at the edge of the talit was what they, the Jews call a tzitzit. Um, tzitzit is the, there were tassels. I believe there were five tassels. And on those five tassels, there were eight knots tied, eight knots in total amongst the five tassels on each side. So if you take the word tzitzit and you count up its gematria, because gematria is just basically this. Ancient Hebrew letters are also numbers. The letter aleph, which is the letter, which is like our A or the alpha in Greek. Aleph is the first letter of the alphabet. It is also the number one. So if you see, look at the first verse in a Hebrew scripture, it has an aleph next to it. And then Beit is two, and Gimel is three, and on, so, so on and so on. So they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred. That's how their numbers were. Um, and that's all the letters in the aleph bet. So if you count up the gematria, or just the numbers that are represented by the, the letters in the word tzitzit, You'll get, add them up, you get 600. Then you have five tassels and eight knots. Five plus eight is 13. So 600 plus 13 is 613. That's the exact number of Mosaic laws. Mitzvot. So the mitzvot, symbolized in the tzitzit, um, is a constant reminder to the Jewish man that of the law, of, of how to be righteous, how to be in right relationship with God. It's always before him. So in case he's getting uh, distracted or um, uh, tempted or something like that, he, he has it right there, and it constantly reminds him. You've seen him. I saw him on the airplane. I was just on an airplane overseas, and I saw uh, uh, there's a Jewish fellow there, and he had his tzitzit on. Um, you could see it coming out from under his jacket. So praise the Lord. Um, so the, it's the edge of that garment is the tzitzit. It, it's the hem of his garment. It is the um, kanaf. Okay, it's the kanaf. So what this lady was reaching for was his kanaf. She was reaching for the edge of his garment. She was reaching for his tzitzit, which is his righteousness. She was reaching for the righteousness of Jesus. 
Now, she was aware of a messianic prophecy from Malachi chapter 4. I think it's verse 3. And that's this. For those who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his conoff. Unbelievable! The, for those who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. That's how it's translated in our Bible, with healing in his wings. So how would we ever uh, associate wings with tzitzit or with the edge of Jesus' garment? This woman knew it. She knew the, this uh, messianic prophecy. She was reaching for Jesus' konoff, knowing that prophecy, that this is the Messiah. She believed that he was the anointed one. And he, by touching his konoff, she received his righteousness. She was made clean. She had been bleeding. She was unclean. She's By touching his tzitzit, his, uh, the tassels, the edge of his garment, she was made clean in the eyes of the law, number one, because she believed that the Son of Righteousness was rising with healing in his wings and in his in his in the edge of his garment, in his conoff, and she was completely healed. So there's, uh, and then it says, anyone who even touched the hem of his garment was made whole. Isn't that incredible? His conoff. So here's Jesus. Um, giving his righteousness to those who could not earn it, who could not satisfy the law. They couldn't get into the kingdom by uh, by their own strength, which is kind of what the Pharisees were trying to do. That's how the, the misinterpretation of the law was that if you just dot your I's and cross your T's, you know, you be above reproach, then you, you're acceptable. And... In that sense, you're saving yourself. All of your good works and all of your holiness and all of your works of mercy end up being a self-elevation. It's true. How many of us in the church are, are guilty of that? I know I have been guilty of that in a very serious way. The Lord showed me that during COVID season. He showed me, Mike, your rosaries, your masses, your fasts, your evangelization, your pilgrimages, I mean, there, there was good in there. I've been growing in my relationship with the Lord. I've, been, um, I've borne good fruit. But he said, you know, Mike, really underneath it all, you are trying so hard. You're on your best behavior. You're, it is actually fleshing out in that you are trying to elevate yourself. You're trying to save yourself. It's not a free communion of persons it's not two people meeting and loving each other in freedom it's not it wasn't and i was like i am so wired that way i'm so wired in that self-reliant uh my value lies in my success you know i'll tell you this i would go on a pilgrimage i lead pilgrimages so i'd be on a i lead a pilgrimage and then i'd come home and i would feel like a billion dollars for the next three weeks because Pilgrimage itself is such an amazing spirituality. We go to Medjugorje where the miracles are just flowing like the salmon at Capistrano, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I'd come home feeling like, wow, because my value lied in my success. But about three weeks later, when I wasn't on pilgrimage anymore and I wasn't bearing fruit every day and, 
you know, after the, the emails stop pouring in of, thank you, Mike, oh, that was the best trip ever, da 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 when that all kind of dies out, I would just plummet. And uh, unbelievable, I didn't know. I had no clue. I needed a renewal of the mind. I didn't know. I just didn't know any better. So here I go. Uh, during COVID, everything got taken away from me. You know, and it's a long story. It's a wonderful story. The Lord told me at the beginning of uh, 2020, this year I'm going to teach you how to rest. And then two years late, two days later, I heard a Protestant prophet uh, on a YouTube video say, this wonderful, wonderful prophet, she said, I see the number seven. There are some of you out there who have been working for seven years. This year, God's going to give you a year of rest. Oh, my word. I was like, I cannot believe this. Jesus just told me that two days ago in my own prayer. And I was like, seven years? So I counted back. I started my pilgrimages in 2013. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. That's seven years. I've been working in pilgrimages for seven years. And now God is going to give me a year of rest. Wow. Well, I had nine pilgrimages scheduled that year, 2020. (laughs) And I thought the Lord was going to teach me how to rest amidst my busyness. But what ended up happening? COVID hit just, you know, a couple months later. Everything was taken away from me. I lost everything. I was laying on the floor having an existential crisis. I didn't know how to feed my family. It was only by the generosity of pil- of my pilgrims, pilgrim friends, and just the, all you wonderful people out there who are just so holy, uh, who just like poured on love on me and my family. Uh, we survived. We did. We survived. We paid every bill. And that year, but I had nothing. And as I was laying there having this existential crisis, asking the Lord, and the Lord revealed to me, Mike, everything you do is to elevate yourself. Everything you do, every rosary, every Hail Mary is you struggling to be righteous, struggling to be un. It's like you're so condemned by the law. You know, St. Paul says, as soon as you're under the law, you're condemned. That you're in a constant battle, you're constantly competing against yourself for holiness. I have to be as holy as I was yesterday. I have to be as fruitful as I was on pilgrimage. You know, that's where my that's where holiness lies. And it's on my shoulders. So as I'm laying there, I was like, oh my God. It's like, have mercy on me, Lord. And I was like, well, I felt like a mountain to try to change it. I, like the way he was showing it to me, it was impossible. I couldn't change. There's no way. How could I get out of this way of thinking? Because... Even trying to get out of this way of thinking is doing something to be holy, right? <laughs> so I was like, what do I do? I can't get out of this. And the Lord said, get up and go talk to your wife. Go upstairs. So I ran upstairs. She was vacuuming. And I said, Annie, this is what's going on. And she said, you're already there. <laughs> and that changed my whole life. I have been spending my whole life trying to grab hold of something I already have. So here I am trying to, and and here the Lord tells me, you're already there. You can't travel to a place you're already at. You're just there. And he just showed me something I will give to you. You're laying there dead. When you get baptized, you're dead. You drown. And Jesus comes and raises you out of the water. He raises you up. You can't swim towards him. You can't swim away from him. He comes down and raises you up of his power and his authority. And I was just like, 
So I just have to wait for you, Lord. I just have to trust in you and wait for you. Praise Jesus. So this transfer of my faith from my from the ability or inability of myself to to do good stuff and to pray well and to bear fruit in the kingdom, transferring my power, my faith from that into the potency of God's power to do for me what I could never do for myself. He just wants to give me his righteousness, like he gave the hemorrhaging woman his righteousness. He just gave it in freedom. And you know, from there I started to realize, my gosh, Jesus you know, the father begot the son before all time and he just lavished his love on him. And Jesus responded with love. If I can somehow do some awesome works of mercy and great prayer and be holy and be a son, right? And get in the kingdom of God, then I'm doing more than what Jesus did because the father just lavished his love on him in freedom. Jesus was baptized. He wrote in Matthew 3, in Mark chapter 1. He came up out of the water and the Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. In Mark he says, you are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus hadn't done anything yet. That's it. Like the, the Father just loves us because he made us and he loves us. Think about this. He, for God so loved the world that he gave, sent his only beloved son, his only begotten son, that any who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. That was when we were all still sinning. We were sinning. We were, everyone was in sin. There was no baptism. There was no uh, uh, Paschal mystery yet. He loved the world so much then. So if he loves us while we're still sinners, remember Jesus said, I, I don't come for the righteous. I come for sinners. I don't come for the righteous. They've already saved themselves. They don't need me. I come for sinners. So this is just a huge, huge thing for us. It's a, it's a, it's a paradigm shift from being in competition with, the, with um, my, everyone else in the kingdom to bear fruit, in competition with other ministries, in competition with myself, in competition with my last pilgrimage, in competition with my last prayer time, Right? Oh gosh, today I've been just absolutely distracted. Yesterday I was I just had such a wonderful encounter with the Lord and today I've been so distracted. Man, I just screwed it all up. As if it relies on me. Prayer is a gift. God God does the praying. You just give God your time. Yeah, you need to try focusing, but to be honest, I love it. There's a Father Boniface Hicks. I heard him. He's a Benedictine priest he said uh, you know he's got the huge beard and the long cassock and he said you know if we're supposed to pray like angels god would have made us like angels we're humans it's okay to be a human while you pray that was that's what he said so think about this god reveals he's the one who comes down and re- and initiates and then we just respond with love so prayer is not on my shoulders it's on god's shoulders it's his if i don't pray well that's in a certain sense that's his fault <laughs> I wouldn't say it's his fault. I would say it's his design. Sometimes he wants me to be there for him. And so I don't get a bunch of consolation, right? And I feel like I didn't pray well. I feel like I've just been distracted the whole time. No, 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 no. You gave God your time. That's all you have. You're just a kid. You're a human. You don't have any, you can't transcend. You can't probe the cosmos. 
can't divine the mind of God. You can give him your time and just give him that body language. Like, I want to know your mind. I want to know you, Lord. Reveal yourself to me. And it's up to him to actually enable the praying. Prayer is a gift, okay? It's, but it, so let's put our faith in the power of God. It's going to alleviate your prayer. You're going to start resting in prayer. You're not having joy in prayer because it doesn't re- rely on you. It's on God's shoulders. For you, it's just to give your time. Why? Uh, Ivan the visionary in Medjugorje, he would say, um, it's not a matter of time, it's a matter of love. Because man always makes time for that for which he loves. He says that Our Lady says, says that. It's a matter of love. Lord, you know, I'm not, I'm distracted, I'm, I'm whatever, I feel like this and this, but you know, I'm going to stay here and sit here with you anyway, because I love you. doesn't matter how it makes me feel. I love you, and so I'm going to, I'm going to honor our time together. Sometimes God likes to see that, and so he kind of pulls back, and we don't get a lot of consolation or revelation or anything like that, but it honors him so much that we're there, okay? Sometimes he wants to come to us through other people. Isn't that funny? Sometimes we're like, sitting there with trying to trying to get something out of prayer and we spend hours and hours in prayer but god we keep getting interrupted we get frustrated with the people we're interrupted by sometimes they're the ones that god wants to bring his presence through yeah isn't that funny and like mother Teresa would say well they'd say well do you get what do you get uh, frustrated when you're praying and you get interrupted she'd say oh no, no no i go from jesus and then shift she'd turn to the side to jesus i don't mind being interrupted in my prayer I get to experience Jesus in a new, in a new hidden here. You know, he's hidden in this person that's interrupting me. There's a proverb, uh, 25, Proverbs 25, verse 3, something like that. It's, I think it's in chapter 25. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, the glory of kings to search it out. How about this? It's the glory of God to show up in a concealed way, right? And the glory of kings to recognize it. Um, there's a great book called The Sacrament of the Present Moment. And he talks about how if the people in the inn had just recognized this disguise that the King of Kings showed up in, in the womb of Mary, it was disguised. They didn't recognize it. And so they just didn't give him the time of day. Had they recognized it, they would have given him the best room in the house. <laughs> had they known, they'd have kicked somebody out and given them the room. But they couldn't recognize it. His point is like, recognize how God shows up. He shows up all the time. But, so, sorry, I'm getting on a tangent here, but moving our faith in the power of God, in the power of God to shape my day through the people that show up, or to shape my prayer, even to speak to me through my distractions. In fact, some of the, there's a, there's a relationship I have with um, someone right now who's just really blessing me, and the only way I got to know this person is because I found myself distracted on my phone while I was praying, and I put my phone away. And then five minutes later, I realized, I'm not looking at my phone again. What am I doing? And I felt the Lord say, pray over it. And I looked down, and what I was looking at was a post. So I prayed over the post, received a word. I was like, well, how am I going to get this word to this person? It was like somebody in ministry. I heard, there's a message function in Instagram. Oh. So I sent them the word. They confirmed it, and we've, we now know each other. And it's been wonderful have this growing relationship. So um, that's the power of God. He interrupted me. He wanted to do something awesome for me. And it came through my distraction. So my prayer time really belongs to the Lord. He can distract. I'm just a kid. It's on his shoulders for it to be like, you know, some awesome thing. (laughs) 
And a lot of times it's not awesome, but it's just, it's, I love him. He loves me and I love him. We have little gazes at each other and it's heaven. The way I meet with Jesus these days, it's heaven. He's this wonderful, approachable, kind, kindest person in the world. And he just gazes at me and I just look back at him. That's it. It's like heaven. But, you know, there, there are times where, um, where I don't, you know, I struggle too like anybody and everybody else. But anyway, point being, Jesus is filled with power. Filled with power. So I want to shift over to Genesis chapter 15 real quick. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, right? I believe this is the recipe for how to be a saint. How to become a saint. That God wants to make you a saint by his power. Not by your doing an awesome job. By his power. He wants to empower your sainthood. That's what I firmly believe. And I believe that Abraham, he believed God. That word is aman in Hebrew. It's amen. Aman means to believe or to trust or to have faith. It also has another meaning, my friends. This is so good. It means foster father, foster mother, or wet nurse. So when Jonathan, uh, Saul's son, Jonathan, when he his, his son was being cared for by a wet nurse, and they had to escape, and she ended up tripping on him and hurting him. That wet nurse was his aman, aleph mem nun. Isn't that amazing? So when Abraham received the promise of God, he became its foster father. He became its wet nurse. He adopted it. When you say amen to when you receive the Eucharist, you're adopting the presence of God. You're saying it was something that wasn't yours. You're saying, I'm going to take... I'm going to be the charge of this. I'm going to take it, and it's my responsibility now to take care of it. I'm going to carry it with me everywhere, right? Jesus comes in. There's no back door. He comes in, and he stays. He is in you. He lives in you. And uh, then it was credited to him as righteousness. Credited to him as righteousness. That word, um, uh, chashab, chashab, is credited. It actually means to interpenetrate, to plate or interpenetrate, or to weave. So he, Abraham became the foster father of the promise. He believed God, he aman God, and it was woven into his life. And righteousness was woven into his life. God of his own power empowered his righteousness. This is, you know, that example of me giving a, a prophetic word to my daughter's roommate. That was an example of God weaving righteousness into my life. He just came in power because I, I am the foster father of the promise. The promise is that I'm the son of God. Jesus died for me. He promises me resurrection. And he promises me the rights of his divine sonship. And he promises the Holy Spirit. And we, he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what gives us the power to become children of God. So I have the Holy Spirit the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. I have it. It lives in me. He lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. So I'm foster fathering that promise. I am walking with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean I feel him. It doesn't mean I like am conscious of the Holy Spirit constantly sitting inside of me dwelling. No. It means that I'm in faith. I know that if I get an inspiration from the Lord, his divine supernatural power is going to empower this situation and I can take a risk and do it. Like sharing that word with her. Well, Lord, what's your heart for her? I saw it. I shared it. Wow. Isn't that amazing? 
That's that he's weaving righteousness into my into my life. What is righteousness? Right relationship with God. It's also bearing fruit. The fruit is very important. You know, the branch that has no fruit is cut off. The fruitful branch, the Lord prunes. But it's like I can I can actually believe, no matter what I feel like, I can believe the power of God is in me. I can be its foster father and carry it along with me. And I wake up and know that it's there. I go to sleep and I recognize that it's there. I give thanks to God for it. Um, I carry the presence in me because I, sometimes I just envision a little monstrance on my heart because your heart is the altar of your body, right? Your body is a temple and your heart is the altar. Just en- I just envision a little monstrance there. Just I have the presence of Jesus in me. It's something I'm saying that I have in faith. I don't feel it. Sometimes I feel it. A lot of times I don't. It's, I'm being the foster father. I'm saying, okay. Even though I don't, you know, like when Abraham looked into this guy, the father said, look into this guy. If you could count the stars, that's the number of heirs you will have. Well, the sun was out. Because a few a few sentences later, a few paragraphs later, it says, the sun went down. <laughs> so the sun was out. Now, Abraham knew that the the stars were up there because he'd seen the stars before. But at this point, he can't see them. And the father said, if you could count the stars, if you could see them, that's how many you will have. So he's saying, even though I can't see my heirs, I can't see my descendants, I know that they're there. He foster-fathered the presence. He believed in it. He carried it with him. And God wove righteousness into his life. He will do that for you. It, it takes a shifting of your faith from your ability or inability in to the potency of the power of God. This is a huge, huge theme we're going to keep coming back to because it's all throughout Scripture. And um, St. Paul talks about it extensively, in like, especially in Galatians. Um, if you look at Numbers, uh, Jeremiah, there's all kinds of incredible things that happen um, in Jesus' parables that outline this whole idea. We put our faith in Jesus' power. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves and we are all we have to do is be persuaded that it's the truth that woman was persuaded the hemorrhaging woman she believed this is the messiah the son of justice rising with healing in his conoff so she reached for the conoff specifically she reached for his tzitzit and she was completely healed praise jesus oh my goodness so there's so many things I want to talk about right now, but I think this is about all you guys can handle. It's been about 40, almost 45 minutes. May Jesus bless you. I can't wait for the next time we get to hang out and talk. There is more, my friends. I wanted to, lastly, just to share with you, I was just at Mass, and I was thinking about this our, this podcast, and I felt the Lord say, you're going to do an awesome job, Mike. You're going to go home and just do it. And my lips started to tremble again all my lips started shaking and vibrating all this like electricity going through my lips um the uh, muscles contracting and i just felt the anointing of the lord i felt the holy spirit on me and i just wow thank you jesus and i came home push play one take bam (laughs) so i love y'all can't wait to uh, meet you again on the next podcast come to you know visit shadow on the water we're updating the website we're working really hard on it we're going to launch the um, online mentoring community where we can have live zooms activations impartation we can just pray together um, and also be nurtured in the gifts i'm going to have some teaching uh, series also available in the in that 
in the mentoring community. We're going to have, um, we do have an intercessory team. We can pray for your intentions. Uh, we, and we're also doing pilgrimages. So sign up, come with us on pilgrimage. It's, my gosh, we go and we travel. Mostly we go to Medjugorje and we just pray. We eat, we laugh, we fast, we eat, we pray, we laugh, we just, we praise, we pray over each other. We have tons of healings. Uh, power of the Holy Spirit falls, man. The Holy Spirit just comes in and does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It is time, my brothers and sisters, to shift our faith from the inability of our hands or the whatever ability we have, shift it out of that into the potency of the power of God. Amen. Amen.